Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 225. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Voyager's fifth season episodes, Dark Frontier, parts one and two, as one discussion, and The Disease. Here we go. Dark Frontier, Season 5, Episodes 15 and 16, Production Codes 211 and 212, Original Air Date February 17th, 1999, Directed by Cliff Bowl and Terry Wendell, Written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, Music composed by David Bell. Guest cast includes Susanna Thompson as Borg Queen, Kirk Bailey as Magnus Hansen, Laura Stepp as Aaron Hansen, Caitlin Peterson as Anakin Hansen, Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman, and Eric Kadora as Alien. After Voyager manages to destroy a Borg probe by beaming a photon torpedo aboard, Seven of Nine finds a data nodes filled with tactical information among the debris. With it, they locate heavily. They locate a heavily damaged spear nearby, and Captain Janeway decides to plan a heist. Invade the board vessel while its defenses are down and take its transwarp coil, which will shave about 20 years off its Voyager's journey. The mission is going as planned until Seven once again hears the voices of the Collective calling her back to the Hive. Over the past two years, I have become familiar with the individuals on this vessel. Voyager is my collective now. Your survival is important to me. I am willing to risk my own well-being if it increases our chances of success. Assign me to the away team. All right, Dark Frontier. I remember when this episode aired, I remember like the the ads for it and it was the big sweeps episode that year and and it was exciting when they would play, you know, because they played it as a like you know TV movie. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a part one and the following week part two. It was it was just played as a as a two hour event. Uh, so I I do remember that. I remember it was exciting that the Borg Queen was coming back, which you know we all knew from from so well from First Contact. So this this was definitely an event. I remember it feeling like that. Steve, what are your first thoughts here? Do you remember that? Do you remember the kind of event plug I was? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I remember that. And uh, obviously, the first time we see of the Borg Queen um, since first contact, and uh, which was, I guess, two and a half years prior, two two years plus a couple months, whatever that is. And uh, yeah, it was it was like a big big event and a huge action thing and. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is this is this is this episode's a lot of fun and it feels relatively cinematic and whatnot. Um obviously more uh, development for seven and uh I, I remember at some point during Voyager thinking, man, they just do a lot of Borg stuff. And I I, I knew I know it's obviously a popular, you know, it's very popular. Um at some point it did feel kind of like just retread over and over again to some extent. Um, cause not a lot of new things happen. Yeah. But we're not there yet. Not, not quite, not quite. I always thought that the, the, the introduction of the Borg queen was interesting anyway, and I get why they did it. Um, but it is in some ways it feels, uh, inconsistent with the, what the rest of the Borg's persona or whatever, the, what they are about and so forth, her existence and so on, and the way she behaves and that kind of thing. I understand why they did it. They introduced her for the movie and then they went from there. But uh, Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Braga, 
I remember talking about maybe in a commentary or something, but talking about if you just when they were doing the movie, if you just think about the boar keeper, you know, they're kind of like zombies, and they yeah, just, that was a very that was a, enough of a face, you know, for this big movie villain. And that's why they came up with the queen. Yeah, the, most of my memories around this are about it just being exciting to see uh, the queen again, and um, and and it being such a you know, it, it is it is a lot of action and it's and it's well paced and it's a lot of fun. You know, whenever you have some kind of uh, mission and they plan for it and all that, it has that kind of familiar heist feel where you, you know, we've seen a million movies. You know, where you they in a, you know they practice the what they're going to do and then they do it and you know what happens and so on and then it kind of halfway through, of course, it kind of takes a a twist and becomes more about. Uh, more about uh, Seven of Nine and uh, what she is, uh, what, what's the story? What do the Borg want with her? And uh, we, learn, of course, get a lot more information about her parents and their history by doing that, you know, going this route, too. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's uh, certainly uh, maybe one of the biggest uh, kind of adventure action episode epic type things that Voyager has. Mr. Adam, your first thoughts? Um. Yeah, I agree. Um, mostly with what what Steve said. I mean, yeah, we get a lot of um, we get a lot of Borg stuff in here. I believe this is what is the first time we kind of see like a, a Borg city or civilization. You have all these cubes, kind of. Yeah, that Borg city in space thing is awesome. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so like a, so great. It's like a Jack Gantor space station, but I guess it's just all the cubes connected together. As I uh, frequently, unfortunately, think while watching Voyager, because most of the time it looks like a butt, and I only mean it looks like a butt. <laughs> Uh, because it's like, you know, standard def, multi-generational VHS looking quality most of the time. Uh, but I was watching that Borg City in space thinking, oh my God, I want to see this in, <laughs> in high def widescreen. It would be so cool. Yeah, say let me uh, continue. Yeah, we, we get more of that Borg City later on, right? You guys are talking about how they kind of repeat things. up. Yeah. I want to say we'll get to this. I want to say we see it in the very last episode, but we'll get there. It still looks like a butt, though. It's yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. I'm, I've always kind of i've i've been, always enjoyed the the board queen. Um, obviously when she was first introduced in first contact, um, it adds a little layer to um the Borg. You know, obviously before the queen, you know, they're just kind of this, like you said, kind of these mindless, kind of zombie like, you know. So the queen, it makes sense in the context of the Borg that it's like a hive collective and you have like, you know, a queen, you know, like an ant colony or bees or, or something like that. So to me, it kind of, it was kind of a, a perfect kind of fit and it gives, um, it gives the Borg just an extra layer. Um, I, I am, I'm, I don't disagree with what, what's, I think what Steve might have a problem with the, with the Borg. They kind of, they might give the queen a little bit too much individuality or too much personality that's debatable um it doesn't um it doesn't bother me um but i, I can i can understand where steve's coming from if, if i didn't misunderstand him about that aspect of the queen um and obviously yeah like like what we were saying we obviously get a lot of um in-depth stuff from seven um again you know there's a lot of familiar themes in these these episodes obviously we get you know janeway she gets kind of gung-ho like this throughout the series that's in her her character's nature you know then we get like the the timid jacotay trying to talk her down you know so we've seen that before so there's familiar themes with these characters that we've seen throughout the seasons but it works well the 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 heist is is pretty um 
pretty neat. I mean, it's pretty creative in, um, in design and, and aspect. Um, I kind of feel like I probably like these episodes a little less than I did, you know, 20 plus years ago. I kind of felt like they kind of dragged a little bit. Um, it wasn't like horribly dragging where I got bored, but I kind of felt like it slowed down quite a bit. And I think this is probably because they were kind of jumping back and forth to what was going on um, in the present and what, what in the backstory. I want to talk seven. about that for a second. Um, I, Cause I had kind of the same thought. Uh, I don't remember thinking this before but I did kind of think it now it does slow the episode down a little bit when they jump back, because I think the first couple times they jump back, you know, there is new information there, but every other time they jump back, it doesn't feel like there's enough new there to it. Uh, so it, then it makes it slow down a little bit. And I think it, I, I realized too, when I was watching it, I mean, and these are, this is being really picky. Okay. I think this is good. And I enjoy this a lot too, this episode. But this is, this is what we do. Yeah, I would agree with you because they keep going back, and the, you know, obviously they're they're showing um, Seven's parents kind of pushing the envelope on um, studying the Borg. You know, we get they're they're a little bit more daring this time. Now they're inside the cube, and the, and they we kind we don't kind of I don't think we kind of get that um, that climax. They don't show that climax very well where they um, where they were caught and captured. I, I think we got that more in in, the, in a previous episode um, with Seven, but I kind of want to. I thought they could have sped that up a little bit more. I think if you were doing an actual feature, you you wouldn't do this. There would be like one flashback. Yeah. You know, that's it. Right. So I yeah, I think that the the flashbacks going back to that so many times held it back for me a little bit. Also, there's something really I don't know, tragic about it every time every time you see them because I think that they're playing it like we're supposed to look at them and and feel Wow, what amazing, brave explorers they were. That's not what I think. Every single time I think, your hubris is absurd. You peep, there's something wrong with you. I agree. I think that this this is incredible. It's not only what you're doing is irresponsible. It's made a thousand times worse because you brought your kid with you. This is, yeah. Every time, I, I don't have good feelings watching that. I think they're, I think they're messed up people. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you, Brian. I kind of felt the same way. I'm like, how far are you guys going to push this? I mean, you know, it's, you're, you're, it's, it goes beyond playing with fire. It's like, a, yeah. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you in that. Steve, you have any thoughts on that? Did that, did that trigger anything in your brain? Especially as a parent, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think I felt that to some extent back when this originally aired, you know, thinking, man, that's irresponsible. I mean, I, I, I guess I can, if you have two people that are together and they're both, you know, gung-ho researcher types and risk takers and whatever else, then, okay, there you go. They're just going out there laying it all on the line. And, but, you know, especially once they were swept up in the, you know, they were swept, they, they alluded to the fact that they were taken like a zillion light years away because of uh, some Warp, turns warp conduit they went on that you know it's like they let's gather all this research for what you know i don't know who they're going to ever tell again you know this kind of thing so they just keep at it and then and that's not even going in the direction of they have their young child with them you know that that's that's nuts <laughs> you know so so yeah it's just and they and they really only touch on that once when the doctor you know makes some kind of quip you know to seven about how irresponsible her parents were, you know, and they never really go much beyond that. But yeah, it's, it's a Looney Tunes, you know? Yeah. Were they implying that they were, that they, the Hansons were studying the Borg before Q who? 
that's not what yes. they're saying, right? Yeah, well, they, they, they have star dates out there. And if you go on the star date convention that was kind of accepted in that era, it would be, yeah, like a decade before that. So Starfleet had some awareness of the Borg before well, Q-Who. Well, that would have been, didn't they get introduced at Enterprise? No, no, Enterprise, the episode in Enterprise was very careful to, yeah, yeah. to not violate that concept of canon. There was no real awareness of them. Was, was there not an earlier Voyager episode that touched on what the Hansons did, and they kind of alluded to like that it was kind of like a not commonly believed scientific something or another theory thing oh, that they just okay. kind of like sort of pursued on their own, and then maybe they just got swept away in it, and so, you know, to try to kind of cover that. But, you know, they li- they flat out list star dates in it, and it's like a decade before that, so. Okay. Yeah. Huh. All right. Yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, with Brian, in this episode, they're it's it almost feels like everybody knows about the board beforehand there was just a throwaway comment that i don't ever remember there being a follow-up for unless i'm forgetting something but there was a throwaway comment there with the queen suggesting that seven was planted on voyager in the first place like they let her go yeah it right. sounded like the whole thing was just like hey sure let her go <laughs> yeah yeah which you know okay we, we need a more effective locutus uh, so that we can once and for all assimilate humanity. Mm-hmm. It, there's a logic to it. It just it, it seems like something that uh, maybe could have should have been addressed again. Right. Yeah. They kind of it just kind of got dropped. Maybe they do, and I forgot. Hmm. I don't know. I don't recall. Well, I kind of think this is where I didn't bring this up earlier, but I'm the episode there. The focus is. Obviously, we have the backstory that we were talking about with Seven and her family. There's a focus there. And then we have the um, present day focus. I think when I'm, you know, going through both episodes, um, like I said, I enjoyed them both very good. But I think there's there's a focus problem here. Like, what do you want to focus on primarily? Do you want to focus on Seven's backstory and and what she's all about or do you want to focus on the present day what the Borg are doing yeah I agree with this too because it feels like they're trying to make a really big episode and a really big episode would need to be more than a character episode it would need to be more than a seven episode right and so um, I I think where it kind of definitely falls short is what you were referring to Brian you know this whole um, theory that um, you know the Borg let her go there and plant her there and they just they don't really go back to it much after that and you know Later on in, the, in part two, you know, you see the queen starts to get annoyed with Seven. She wants to make her a drone and stuff like that. So it's like, what's the motivation here? What's kind of the focus kind of drifts a bit for me. Uh, last comment for what it's about. I liked the bit at the beginning where we see the the Borg like attacking Voyager, but it's it's like we're seeing a we're seeing the fight from the Borg's point of view, which I don't think we've really seen like that before. Yeah, yeah. Other than maybe a shot or two, that was kind of neat. What? is this episode about i mean primarily i would i would consider these these episodes to be um to be seven to nine episodes both of them it primarily focuses on her her backstory and her present story and a lot of you know and a lot of has to do with you know of her i think she's decided who she is but i mean being okay with who she is and, and accepting who she is she accepts her her new um collective um as voyager that's her new family um and um, to her, for her, it's it's a, her character. She's it's about loyalty. She's loyal to the crew of Voyagers. She decides to sacrifice herself so that um, the crew of Voyager aren't just aren't um, captured or assimilated during this heist. So um, that's that's kind of what I what I took from it. 
Yeah, I think I think the biggest the biggest issue with this is that as far as I mean, I'm, I, it's like I said, it's a it's a fun action adventure kind of deal, you know, and it's epic kind of cinematic, you know, for Voyager, this kind of thing. But I think the biggest problem is that they, they, like you said, they, they tread into this character territory, but they don't, they need to go all in or don't go there. One of the two. And what it, it basically doesn't do a whole lot that we haven't already seen this notion of who, who is seven a part of who's your real family, who is, who are the ones that are going to take care of you and who you take care of, you know, who's watching you, this kind of thing, because, you know, yeah, she, she goes to that other side. It's all, you know, she's basically coerced, but because it's kind of unclear, right. You know, how much of it was they coerced her to come over, how much of it is she elected to go over there to save the rest of the crew. And you don't get this vibe that she's really telling them to lay off of the rescue kind of, you know, so it's, it all just becomes this kind of like, let's all do these things just to do them because the natural thing. But I don't know that there's a great deal of, I don't know, any kind of storytelling moral underneath all this stuff or, you know, that's so, I, I, I enjoy it, but I like so often is the case when they do big action stories, it's often hard to nail down that it's a, that it's a really a great kind of, um, morality tale or whatever, you know? All right. Let's do six degrees for dark frontier. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Susanna Thompson plays the board queen. Who played the queen in first contact? Um, Alice Krieg. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. I have heard it pronounced Krieger. Okay. But uh, I'm actually not sure myself. All right, uh, Adam. Yes. Thompson played Lenara Khan in the DS9 episode, Rejoined. What species was Lenara? Um, if you remember that episode at all, I think you will remember the answer to that question. Rejoined. What species was she? Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. Um, oh my gosh! They broke some uh, of that species, like cultural norms. Um, oh my God. um go ahead and take it, Steve. Yeah, sorry, my brain's emotional. <laughs> it's a trill. That's correct. True. Couldn't get it out. Couldn't get it out. I knew it was. Yeah, I knew it was. I, I, knew, it was, I, knew, I knew it was Dax's species, but I'm like, what is it? Right, right. Like, yeah, so. This is one of those rare, rare times where, even though she's got like makeup, prosthetics, and stuff in both parts. Well, obviously, a lot more as the Borg Queen, but but even as as Lenara, she had you know the spots or whatever. Even with all that, there's something like her face is so. Yeah, there's some uh, very distinctive about it. Yeah. yeah, you can see mm-hmm. it. You can still see her face even as the queen, which yep. is fun. Uh, all right. Steve has two. Adam is screwed. <laughs> <laughs> still tied. Moving on. Never know. <laughs> yeah, moving on. The Disease, Season 5, Episode 17, Production Code 210. Original air date, February 24th, 1999. Directed by David Livingston, story by Kenneth Viller, teleplay by Michael Taylor, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Musetta Vander as Tal, Christopher Liam Moore as Burrow Stowaway, Charles Rocket as Peck, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. 
Voyager stops to assist a xenophobic species known as the Vario. The species lives on a generational ship which has housed them for 400 years. Harry Kim goes against orders and becomes intimate with a Vario scientist, Tal, and develops a psychological bond with her, one that is standard in the Vario. The psychological connection alters his behavior and sways him from his duties aboard Voyager. <laughs> you are such a lousy liar. Haven't you learned anything from me after five years? She's cute. Who? That assistant engineer, Tal. Cute enough. Oh, here we go again. What? You, going after impossible women. Uh, a hologram, an ex-Borg, the wrong twin, and now a girl from a xenophobic species? You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm putting her out of my mind, I promise. Good. Glad to hear it. I'm due back on the bridge. See you in the morning. All right, I'm going to come right out of the gate on this and say I think the disease is probably Kim's best episode in the whole show. I don't have any memory of liking a Kim episode more than this one. Um, I'd agree with you, Brian. You know, initially when this episode started, I didn't quite recall it. Um, closely enough, and I'm like, oh, here we go with Kim. You know, obviously over the years, you know, they've um, they he's been in weird, strange relationships. He's, you know, there's no secret they play him as is the character who has incredibly bad luck with women. He chooses the wrong girls to like, and it generally goes south. It's awkward and it's kind of strange. Strange. It's like a yeah, there. It's awkward relationship stuff, and it's. And initially going into this episode, I'm like, oh, here we go again. But um, I go on, you know, finishing that, I would agree with you. I think it was his best episode. I, uh, the chemistry between him and um, the actress playing Tal was good. I felt it was genuine. I kind of felt like they really did truly have feelings for each other. And um, yeah. obviously at the end of the episode, you, you really, you really feel for Kim because I don't think it was, there was nothing like, um, you know, yes, there's this chemical, there's this weird, strange psychological bond that, that happens with this this species of Verario, but I never, you know, they kind of try to allude to that that he might be under some sort of, um, you know, influence. But um, you know, the longer the episode goes, you really do genuinely feel that um, Kim has true um, loving feelings for this character, and um, you know, I thought they were really good together, and the chemistry was really good. Um, the one thing that I thought was kind of weird, you know, obviously, you know, he they made a big deal about him going against orders and protocol. And maybe you two can can speak to this and let me know. I don't I don't recall this being a huge issue in Star Trek before, where you know if you have a relationship with another species, where it turns into like this big fiasco that you're going against orders and you have to be reprimanded. But um, obviously, that's the direction they went in this episode. She very specifically, apparently, um, because of the aliens' request, xenophobic. Yeah, she very specifically ordered everyone to not fraternize at all. Really. Yeah, so that that makes it. I mean, that's an, kind of an answer right there, mm-hmm. but but you're right in the sense that um, this would make for a very different original series uh, <laughs> if Kirk needed to contact Starfleet Command uh, to get permission. Yeah, I thought their chemistry was great. I I thought the actress that played Tall was actually really good. I I liked her a lot. But you know that moment that when it leads up to, and you really feel like it's earned it. It doesn't, you know. Sometimes we we've, we've talked about emotional moments uh, or things that, like, where did that come from? Or that's they kind of cheated that, or we feel like we missed a scene to get there, whatever. No, when Kim confronts Janeway kind of on the bridge and yells out, "I don't want treatment," 
that really feels like an earned honest moment and it's and it's really good and it's good writing his performance is good i love that she you know then she takes him back in the other room and uh, in a ready room and they have a conversation but you you really feel like our character has progressed here by the end of the episode both him and janeway janeway says she thinks about him differently than the rest of the other crew she's always felt more protective of him you know and she's kind of having to, in a little bit, I think she doesn't come out and say this, but I think the concept is that maybe she's letting him, letting him grow up a little bit, maybe looking at him as like, she shouldn't, she shouldn't be protective of him the way that she always was because he's grown into his own person. Yeah. And I think that's, that moment is kind of when I realized, okay, this, this is the best Kim episode. I mean, it's good. I like this episode, uh, but this is, this is probably his best episode of the whole series. I'm not sure that, you know, I don't know. I don't think Chakotay had an episode this good. He, he he probably had less episodes than anybody, and I don't think he had an episode this good. Steve, uh, your thoughts here? I hate it. No, <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's probably his best episode. You know, and I, I here's one thing. I, I, I wish that, and I, and I get why they had to make there be some kind of chemical bond thingy, you know, and the glowing and all that, you know, in order for the the story to progress because it had to be revealed that he was having a relationship. And it also had to be that he had to refuse treatment and all this kind of things. But I, I also wish that they somehow underplayed that a little more. So it wasn't so much that the, uh, you know, the nature of their bond and relationship had some kind of, because obviously any, to, to an extent, right. Any, any uh, relationship in that extent, there, there's a biochemical kind of, effects going on right but um they made it seem like you know with the glowing and all of that stuff it kind of blew it up to make it like okay they're in love because the this very specific thing to this alien race and all that stuff too um but i think if they would have cut some of that out a little bit maybe underplayed it a little bit it would have made it a little more down to earth to some extent i, I mean i like most of what this episode does i do i do and i really like how he it's kind of in a weird way. It kind of um, it it's one of the few Trek episodes of this era that tr- treats this notion of uh, work life balance. You know that you, you know that we currently have in, in today's work environment, where it's accepted that in most environments that you have a life. You know you don't you don't leave it at the door like they used to say a decade, two decades ago, or whatever. And this kind of precedes that. Um, so I do like that about this episode. I just wish they would have kind of um, dropped some of the um, the glowing and the you know the specific things around the species, so it would have seemed more like you know down to earth, realistic. Why are you you know I have a right to have this kind of relationship, it's not interfering with our work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it gives it kind of a an escape valve too. You know, it's like oh well, you can't you can't completely blame him. It's yeah. Um, but I agree with Steve. I don't, you know, looking at it, I mean, I don't even know if it was even necessary. I mean, they could have just had a scene where they got caught together or something, and it could have just been yeah. more straight up. Hey, I love this woman, and um, I want to be with her, and you, know, you guys can't tell me how to run my personal well, life. You know, I'm all for them adding the sci-fi element. That's sure. what they can do on this show. They can't do it on a lot of on most other shows. But there, there's something to this idea that if they'd backed off it a little bit, I, I agree. Yeah. It could have been worth a little more. You have you have like one line from Jane where she, where she says, "I'm willing to cut you a little slack because the doctor said X." <laughs> right, right, right. You know? um, 
So yeah, what maybe would have been more interesting if she hadn't been able to cut in that little extra slack. See where it goes. Yeah. Mm. On a side note, I found the the generational ship was interesting. Um, you know, it's an interesting sci-fi concept. Obviously, you know, traveling. You know, both both ships have something in common, but the generational ship obviously been at it for a lot longer. Um, it's a it's an interesting concept. Um, they didn't go too deep into it it's about what's going on on that civilization on the ship. You get just enough to kind of figure out that you have these dissidents who don't want to be there anymore. They want to have their own lives, that kind of thing. But it's um it's a it's a good sci-fi concept. This is one of these episodes that makes makes me think of what it, how it would be handled today. And you know, this could be nearly a season worth of stuff. You know, absolutely. Because, I had that, yeah. that thought yeah. too. Like she wouldn't like Tall would be in every episode, and she wouldn't even have her name in the opening. She yeah. wouldn't be one of like the main seven. She'd still be in every episode, and mm-hmm. and their their relationship would be it would be developed in a much more interesting way. And here's the more interesting part: at the end of the episode. You know, well, you see Kim really broken. He wouldn't have been totally fine in the next one, and I think mm-hmm. that it would have made this episode. You know, it's it's hard because it's hard, it's hard to like because I really had that thought. I'm like, I literally thought this that this would be a little more. This would this would mean more if I if I thought that he was still going to be a little broken in the next episode. He's choosing to live with this, right? Yeah. If he had chosen to take the drug and be okay, that's different. I would expect him to be fine in the next one, but that says something very, very different. What We haven't talked about what it's about yet, but we're going to get to what it's about, and I think this is going to have something to do with it. What makes this kind of special here is that he chooses to to live with this uh, because he had those feelings. But in the episodic nature of 90s television, he's not really going to have to live with it because in the first 10 seconds of the next episode that we see him, he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind yeah. of move on. And that takes away from this episode. Now, is it fair to like knock this episode for mm. what it is? Because in the 90s, it made sense. You know, we we, yeah. we need to remember that. You know, a lot of our, I know a lot of our listeners are younger and maybe they, and they weren't watching this show then. Uh, <laughs> they weren't alive then. I, <laughs> right. um, but, you know, in the night, if you could imagine what it's like to have a television show and not be able to watch an episode if you missed it. Mm-hmm. You know, it aired once a week, and if you didn't see it, you were not going to be able to watch it. Maybe for years, maybe you'd you'd catch it, be able to catch it in the summer rerun season, but probably not. It would it was it was very hard. You know, if you were if you if you really worked at it, maybe you could program your VCR to tape it. And but they've <laughs> uh, honestly, I most of the time that wouldn't work. You know, it was appointment television. If you were in front of your television, you saw it, and if you weren't, you were probably going to miss it. And they didn't want people to be watching an episode of TV and be completely lost because, of course, you would just change the channel. If you're like, I don't know what is going on here because I missed last week. It makes sense. I understand why they were doing it. this. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, obviously, that's never the case. If you missed it, there's a million ways you can watch it anytime you want. Most of the time, people are binging. You can design shows from the outset to be serialized. But in the 90s, and obviously the original series – in the 60s you could not do that so it's hard to fault it for this but this for, for, for but this is just the perfect example of where designing the show to be so bottled so that everything's back to normal at the end mm-hmm. goes 180 degrees against what this the point of this episode is it takes all of the um, power away from kim's decision at the end of this episode 
Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah, you 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 said it exactly right. The the bottle episode was a was a norm and a standard back then. Um, today it's kind of the you don't often too often see bottle episodes where you know a season of television today on Netflix or even on regular network television. It's more like um the whole season interconnects with each episode. It's almost like reading uh, um you know the first um volume of a of a book or you know whatever season you're on. You know where everything kind of interconnects and. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we've been talking about um, all these um, Star Trek um, series to generate, you know, next gen DS9. And, you know, it's that's how things were from, you know, the 50s until probably the mid, you know, early 2000s, um, where television kind of started to interconnect these storylines um, in between beyond episodes. Um, I don't mean to get too far into the weeds of this, but I mean, I've been rewatching Battlestar Galactica and that came out in the early two thousands and you can, you see the, that's kind of, to me, that's yeah, kind of a they transitional. They kind of straddled both worlds, mm-hmm. right? There were yeah, some like standalone episodes and then there were big story arcs. Yeah. yeah. It was the first, it was a transitional show. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. yeah, it changed things. Um, you know, and that was in the early two thousands. That's, that's before really, you know, that's when, you know, TiVo and DVRs were just getting going. You obviously didn't have any stream services back then, but yeah, going back and watching Battlestar, I'm like, this feels like a modern show. Um, you know, it obviously came out 15 years ago. Um, but at the same time, it still feels like a 90s show in a weird way. It's like it's an in-between kind of series. But I don't want to get too far in the weeds. I just want to make that comment. Well, I mean, you know, the art is defined by its constraints to some extent. But in, in a, what we're doing here, I mean, probably justifiably so, criticism is is that as well. We should. That's why you have to you have to judge things and comment on things in the context of their era, you know, and, but it is fascinating to discuss this and to talk about how, and in that sense, really, you know, episodic television in terms of its quality, how, how difficult it was, you know, especially with Trek and so much before it. And that's why I think, you know, we talked about it back when we did Enterprise, how, how hard it was to, you know, they weren't quite there yet. You couldn't just do a, you know, they, they touched on it, right? But you couldn't just all out episodes don't matter like it, you know, or whatever. It's just all one big long story and this kind of thing. And so they were under, you know, the, these kind of constraints and all this history behind it. And the same people making the show had been doing it for 20, I mean, nearly 20 years at that point. I mean, no wonder, you know, at some point you just, you know, and that's why, it's so it's so incredible the when you do have great episodes out of something around these eras because you think by now everything had been told in that way you know so yeah, and obviously you know they're writing the season as they're in production you know they're writing yeah. episodes while they're gone whereas now you hit you know most television shows now they have all their you know obviously voyager you know it's 20 26 episodes that was the standard back in the 90s now you know you're lucky if you get 12 12 episodes in a season mm-hmm. and they have every episode written out before they even start production. So that's mm-hmm. an also a big difference in how television. So it makes it a little bit easier to interconnect all these episodes and make it kind of more of a, a book, if you will, type yeah. of um, type of viewing pleasure. To another extent, part of this too is I, I've talked about this many times on a podcast, maybe not in a while. So I'll mention it again. I am, I think of myself as a trekker and I do think of that as different than a trekkie uh, you know, I go on this journey and I want to believe in this like living, breathing universe. You know, uh, so many of my favorite episodes are ones that are just almost like day in the life of living on, you know, the Enterprise or whatever. So that's part of it, too. You know, is when I see Kim hurting at the end of this episode, 
uh, it breaks the reality for me. It, it breaks the living, breathing universe of Star Trek when I, in the very next episode, he's fine. Right? Mm-hmm. But that's the way it was back then. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's And that's a good point. I mean, and I don't mean to... to jump out but i mean that's kind of why we're doing this podcast we're looking at um we're looking at these shows way back in and see if they're still relevant today and that's kind of part of like what we're talking about is like how television was made back then as opposed to today um and yeah it's an interesting how art like steve said how art develops and it changes over time and never changes you know in 20 years television could be you know we might be doing another podcast talking about you know um, the Picard series and um, Discovery scene, if they're still revel- relevant, talking about like, hey, remember how television was made back in the teens? Now it's, it's totally different. <laughs> well, still yeah. had actors in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's that's what's interesting is like even the kind of structure of our show. I kind of wonder how relevant it would be. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it won't be this way, but say say down the line we we do Discovery, we do Picard when it's out, all that stuff too. And when when television become, if you don't even call it that, has become so much about chapters in a book. I mean, it, it's it, you know, essentially we're talking about the relevance and the message of an individual episode. Where what does it have to say? This kind of thing. But is that a fair way to look at a series that is more like? chapters in a novel is that more like reviewing a chapter of an entire podcast are going to be really long if, if it's like, <laughs> today we're going to be discussing season blank chapter, yeah. right. chapter 17 yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah but you see what i'm saying right it, it's well the, well the lines will be very blurred it'll be hard to because you'll have to to allude to so many different episodes like okay this right. happened there happened here blah, blah, because blah, they blah. happen right you have you have episodes that feel like they're cohesive holes but it's, it's really hard to do when you're making it like one interval one chapter of a big long mm-hmm. story and you still want to deliver a message in some cohesive thing yeah, you know it's it's difficult well speaking of delivering a message how's that for a transition <laughs> what is the disease about um i kind of took it from it you know it's kind of like the you know the separation of um professional and personal life i mean you know where where are where do those lines where are those lines and how they blur now obviously in voyager's case um you know, personal life and professional life are almost one and the same because they're on the ship, you know, 24, seven, seven days a week. So they're almost entirely always on duty. And I kind of think that's kind of the uniqueness of this episode with Janeway, you know, ordering, you know, her crew not to have any kind of interpersonal relationships with the species where if they were back in the alpha quadrant, it would, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm off duty. I'm taking time off. I'm going to go do what I want. Um, and, and here it's kind of it's, it's defining the lines of, you know, what is my time? What is what is work time? Um, and, you know, and also what, what does it mean to be in love? Um, what is love? Um, um, you know, it, it, it goes it delves into these questions, you know, like um, um, feelings and, you know, how it changes you and how it makes you do um, things that are outside your um, normal everyday personality. Yeah, I agree. I think the most interesting aspect of it is the whole, um, like I said, almost like work-life balance, the, this idea that, um, you know, essentially Kim is reprimanded, you know, yes, it's overblown, Janeway maybe has a bias about it and all this kind of thing, but, it, it you know, what it, what is really the priority here? I mean, if you're getting your work done and, and then life intervenes, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's the blurred lines of kind of modern society. And that's why that, that's the element of, a, of this episode that I think is the most forward thinking that of the complexities of that, you know, of that you, you can't, you don't drop your life off when you go to work and, and that kind of thing. I think that's what the most interesting aspect of it, because yes, the whole love is a disease. Yes. We've heard this, uh, you know, letting things, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's, that's what's most interesting. And that's what makes this episode relevant today still. Cool. Let's do six degrees for the disease. Steve has two. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll get it out of the way. I'll go first. Christopher Moore plays the Varro stowaway. He previously played the Voth Toba Veer in the third season episode, Distant Origin, in which what member of Voyager's crew fails to convince this species that they're related to creatures from Earth's history? What Voyager crew member is at that trial? And, uh, is that Chakotay? Yes, sir, Chakotay. Steve, what Earth history creatures were they related to? Uh, dinosaurs. That's right, dinosaurs. My son's favorite. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get shut out. Steve, t- yes, not a shut out, but Steve till Steve takes it for the day. Uh, all right, very quickly, um, we've all seen the Picard trailer. Uh, we're all we're talking about is stuff that was in the trailer. You go, go to YouTube and watch the trailer. Um, holy moly, mm. holy crippity crap, crap, crap! Oh my god, that was so amazing, and I think I've watched it half a dozen times, and it keeps getting better. Every time I see it, <laughs> it's really good. How good was it, guys? <laughs> I think before the trailer, I was excited anyway, because it's obviously Picard is coming back and they're telling a new story. You know, it's the, you know, of course, you're excited. I think what the trailer did was integrate it into everything before. It was kind of like the, the, the nerd in me really just blossomed. And I, I really, but freaked out. Yeah. I mean, it made my day, made my weekend, you know, no part of me, never <laughs> this dream. Did I, yeah, I was like, Oh my God. You know? Yes. I was that way too. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. Adam. Well, it's funny. I was, I was actually watching, um, I believe I was actually watching episodes when I first saw the trailer. I'm like, Oh, here's seven and nine. Here's seven and nine, you know, 20 years later. So it was very cool. Very cool to see Jerry Ryan back in the mix, you know, obviously in this first like, shot, she acted. She acted like you know a very. She had a different person. Like, oh yeah, this has been. She's been human for another twenty years, and she's you know she she was like not her like super cool cold self. She's obviously grown, right? You know. Well, we um. What when are we done with Voyager? Are these going to overlap? Uh yeah, we're going to finish Voyager. I think April or May, something like that. So we'll get a little bit of an overlap, so we can kind of yeah. maybe we can kind of maybe discuss. Um, the changes in her character if we want some more down the line actually that's a great question will you get an overlap did that trailer make adam caesar the most mm-hmm. and for cps all access uh person i know did it make him consider paying for cps all access was it that good well there are ways to watch um episodes <laughs> without, um, without paying for the stream service <laughs> I guess not. That's the answer. Um, no, um, wasn't, if that doesn't do it for you, buddy, ain't nothing going to do it for you. The only way, <laughs> the only way I would do it, I would, I would consider possibly after the series had its run, and I'm binge watching it over a month. I don't think I, I don't think I would pay for a CBS stream over the whatever two, three, four months that they were, they were airing the episodes. I would just wait till 
the, the series had its run and then watch it. Jonathan DeLarco. Are you kidding me? Wow. Like, that's like the nerdiest of nerd. I mean, they, they had that in Hall H at Comic-Con. I bet 90% of that room didn't know who he was. Right, right. That's really in the weeds for us. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> what? Oh, it was crazy. It was just nuts. I mean, it was, I mean, aside from, I mean, that was the most exciting stuff. It was like, if like fanboy dream of, well, you know, it'd be really cool if like Picard came back and then, and then there were Borg. So he had to go meet up with, it was with seven of nine. <laughs> right, right. It's preposterous. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, I like, well, I, there were tears in my eyes when I, when I saw seven of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. You hear her speak. Right. And then you see like, shit. <laughs> oh my god oh my god that's, that's probably the closest you're going to hear brian curse on this podcast oh my. all right so so steve i asked this question to brian before you came on today mm-hmm. um so obviously brett spiner's back um oh yeah we haven't be, even mentioned, we haven't even mentioned oh, god, that yeah. Yeah, so i'm curious is it is the character actually going to be it's got to be before is it going to be called before or is it going to be some sort of different character name no it's got to be before right i mean there's that shot where we see all the parts but i i my guess is that that's I, I don't want to speculate too much but you know data data he he was destroyed on the right sim, scimitar is that what it's called yeah and they they alluded to the notion that, i mean okay spoiler alert 17 years ago geez um <laughs> so that uh that he may have somehow put him there have been put a memory transfer right? into yeah. b4 right so i mean it's standard reason it's b4 and for some but reason do you think they, those parts those parts are just before, like they disassembled him. And I don't know. That'd be that'd be my supposition, but who knows? But the implication Damn. is that he's played this game with him, that, where they're playing chess or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But but something you mentioned that I agree with, uh, some Adam. You met. It is neat that they actually look like they CG'd his face or something, because for the first time he actually doesn't. <laughs> he does look younger, and honestly, in Nemesis, he looked older than he should have looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was very neat. Um, yeah, so, uh, I was excited before and yes, now I'm just like, and, and it was soul crushing to see 2020 because mm. <laughs> it was supposed to be 2019, but, uh, yeah, please take my money, take it. I want to watch it. <laughs> I really want to watch it. Take it now. And they do have six short treks coming. I don't know. I didn't see when exactly those start, but apparently the last one is leading into Picard. So it's pretty exciting. Very cool. All right, guys, you can follow us on. Facebook, facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. If you go on your on your phone, your your podcast app, if you especially on an iPhone, and you just scroll down to our thing and you click the five stars, that would be awesome. That's how people find us. It'll take you five seconds. We are going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager's fifth season. And until next time, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. Take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
fun. I passed it.